Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Father, bless this time that we have with you. God, I pray right now that, that you shall be exalted, that your name shall be praised, and ultimately that you can use me to be a vessel, to get information to your people, that it will pierce our hearts. Let it be, let this be that menorah moment where that revelational knowledge becomes become so evident to us that our eyes are open and wherever it is in our lives that we need to repent and be transformed and be changed. I thank you, God, that it shall take place here in this moment. We thank you for it. We believe you in it through and by Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So before I begin, this time I'm going to read the scripture first. All the other times I've been going through some stuff and I've been going, but I'm going to do this first because I want to get the scripture out of the way. Psalm 127 1 through 5, Psalm 127, 1 through 5. This is in the, uh, reading out of the New Living Translations, one tw- Psalm 127, 1 through 5. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted or is in vain. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for him. Parents, we always have to repeat that. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about building a home. And if you're going to build anything, you got to build it the right way. And God says in the very beginning of the, of the verse, he says, unless, the, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, which means unless he gives the foundation for it, no matter what you do, you're going to build it in vain. The problem is that we don't, want, we don't want the Lord to build our house. We don't want the Lord to really be in our house. What we want is we want, we want to allow primetime television, we want to allow magazines and, and, and you know, insta-celebrities and Insta people to build our house. Like nowadays, we have single people who are giving advice for marriage. We got married folk who, who, are, who aren't even happily married giving advice for marriage. They're, and they're, they're speaking out of their anger. They're, they're speaking out of their anguish and their pain in hopes, as I would believe, in hopes that they're trying to get everybody else to maybe don't fall into the same traps they fell into. But the issue is, is there is only one way to build a house, and it has to be built on the right foundation. Now, in order for me to build a house, I got to look at different things. I got to check out the sand. I got, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make sure I do a survey of the property. I maybe got to go get some permits. And then I got I to gotta do something that's is super important. I got to excavate, which means I got to start digging. And in each and every one of us, you got to start digging. And God's going to do some digging in your life. And whatever he's digging out of you, a lot of times you won't see it until the digging has already begun. I didn't know my life would be the way it was. I didn't know that I was as selfish as I was. I didn't know I was as prideful as I was until God started started digging. And the way he's going to show you you 
is in relationship. The reason why people don't like community is because community shows them themselves. So people don't want to get into community. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't need any friends. Because friends are a mirror that shows you who you really are. Marriage is a mirror that shows me who I really am. My wife looks at me, and my wife, I can look in her face, and I can know just how selfish I am. Like, I didn't know that when I, when, you know, when you, know, when you, when you get married, like, I thought, I thought I had it all together. I thought when I was a single man, I thought this is going to be a breeze. I don't know why everybody's talking about marriages work. It ain't that hard. You just love somebody. That's it. And then it started like, man, my, my wife started eating my French fries. And, you know, she started doing other things that I just like, you know, she started wearing my socks. And then she started like wearing my, my jerseys and wearing my shirts because they were oversized bigger than her. And I was just like, you know, I was like, this is not right because it's mine. But relationship and community exposes you to you, and a lot of times we don't like to see ourselves for who we really are. Mirrors, even in mirrors, we try to deceive ourselves. We try to have makeup relationships. These are relationships that are not what they, what, 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 what they really are. These are relationships that we have made up to be what we think they are. But sooner or later, what happens is when it starts raining, the pain and trials and tribulations on your life and on your relationships, the same way that rain usually piles all that makeup off your face is the same way that when pressure is applied, we will see if what is in you is true or not. God is relational. And God desires for us to be in relationship. God wants us to be in relationship. God says, I built the tabernacle, and I'm telling you to do it. Why? Because I'm relational. I want to have relationship with you. You are my people. I am your God. I'm the one who brought you out. God is relational. God is relational how he cut covenant with Abraham. God is relational how he, and, how he, and how he gave us the rainbow as a signature and a sign as a covenant with, with, in saying that, you know, though there shall not be rain anymore and I will not flood the earth anymore and I shall give you the rainbow. But the scripture is very clear that it may not be rain. But there will be fire next time, which speaks to the destruction, how the world shall be engulfed in flames at the end of judgment. But God is relational. We see relationship throughout Scripture, most notably with friendship between David and, between, between David and, uh, and, and, uh, and what's the boy, Jonathan. Because we, we see relationship because relationship merges us together. I'm not talking about just friendship because we follow each other. I'm talking about a friendship that is built on a, on, on a sense of commonality. Have you ever had a relationship or a friendship that was so deep? Hear me carefully. Have you ever had a friendship or a relationship that was so deep that you felt like your destiny was tied to that person? That's the depth of covenant. When God cuts covenant with Abraham, what he's saying here is, you shall not be blessed without me. There's depth of relationship. We, in our day, we don't understand commitment like that. We don't understand covenant like that. Our commitment goes as far as our, as our feelings. So once we don't feel like being committed anymore, then we don't. When I feel like quitting, I quit. When I feel like leaving, I leave. When I feel like stopping, I stop. When I feel like going, I'll go. When I feel like it, I'll do it. I don't feel like it today, so I'm not. Our commitment go as far as our feelings because our words aren't built on anything. But have you ever been committed to something so strong that your commitment is tied to destiny? 
My wife and I, you know, we, we were sitting at breakfast. We, we were in uh, Mexico this weekend. We're sitting out, we're sitting out at breakfast, and, and, and she looked at me, and she asked me a question. She said, you know, why, what, 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 what is it that's keeping us together? Because as we sat down, man, we got another message about another, another pastor, and this didn't provide condemnation, shade, or shame. We got another message about another pastor who's getting divorced. And we just thought, man, you know, man, it's like it's happening all around us. They're just getting a divorce. I mean, but most of the people who we got married with, they're divorced. Not, no condemnation, no shame, no shade. I'm just saying, it's just the reality of it. So we're looking at everything in our lives, and we're like, something's not right. What is going on? So we, we, we got to change some things, and, and some things aren't right. And, 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 and we, we finally came to the conclusion. I looked at her, and I said, you know, baby, at this point, my commitment is bigger than you. I, 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 you know, when I first got married, it was, you know, yeah, because I'm, we're staying together because I love you. I love you. I love you. And while that should suffice, it is the depth of commitment. The depth of commitment says that I am with you because my destiny is tied in with you. So I'm not marrying you just because I want an, just because I want an empty body laying in the bed next to me. No, I'm marrying you because we have a greater purpose together. No, we are friends, not because I just like you in seventh period. No, we're not friends because I like what you wear. We're not friends because we, we may do that. We may have the same profession. We are friends because our destinies are tied together. We're in covenant. We're in commitment. We're in relationship. We come together because we are tied together. We are, it's, it's, like, it's like we are knitted. That was David and Jonathan. Their souls were knit together. Where you go, I go. When, I, when, 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 when you got to go out, I go out. When you fight, I fight. When we're at peace, we're both at peace. But there's a problem when you're in a relationship with somebody and they're going through hell and you can still live in joy. I question how tight is the knit. I question that. Separation and divorce and all those things. And, and looking at the studies, looking at all the studies, crazy thing happened. It actually says the millennials are getting divorced less. The, the divorce rate is actually going down for millennials. But the caveat, amen, praise the Lord. The issue, though, is that the marriage rate is also going down. Because millennials are getting married. And one of the main reasons why they say millennials are getting married is because millennials are choosing cohabitation over marriage. So instead of getting married, we just live together. And when we live together, then, uh, you know, it's, it's, some, it's some things that goes along with that. I'm living with you. So instead of us actually building a home, we're going to play house. So as we play house, my idea here is that as we play house, you're going to be happy I'm going to be happy. We're going to figure out if this is going to be happy for both of us. And if it is, I may give you, I'm, I'm, I, may, I may give you my last name. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe so, maybe not. And, and, you know, I've had people who will say, you know, I understand what you're saying, Pastor, but, but you know, marriage is so final. I'm like, but, but, but peep this. You're already living together. So here's the thing. You're giving, so you, you're giving each other your body. Guess that's not that valuable. You're giving each other your mind. I guess that ain't that valuable. You're giving each other your money. Or, I mean, you're sharing a bed. You're sharing money. You're sharing an account. You're sharing everything else. But you're telling me you just can't give the other person you? It's like, at what point? At what point? At what point does, do, you, do you devalue yourself so much to assume 
that I'm okay to be in the same pasture with you. I just, we, we just can't, we can't share a commonality with each other in the sense that we can actually become one. We can share things as, 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 as we can share things apart, but we can't, we can't come together as one in a true covenant that allows for both of us to be in value to one another because we're both valuable. And we both see the benefit of the marriage. But many people are choosing cohabitation over marriage because a lot, many, many reasons. Um, some of the reasons they said, they're saying that people choose cohabitation because cohabitation is, is just less evasive. It's just not as serious as marriage for some people. We can live together. We're just living together. It just is what it is. Sometimes we use it as a mechanism to be able to kind of prolong the relationship longer, especially when it's some nagging being involved. I wish you would hurry up and marry me. Well, how about this? I ain't got time for a ring. I ain't got money for a ring right now, but I can get, I can get you this key. You can come in and live with me, and maybe we can just kill some of our debt first. We can kill our debt, and what happens is now when, I get our, we, when we get all our debt out of the way, then let's get married. Because now we can, we can start on a firm foundation. I have heard it all. My wife and I, we've, count, we've counseled couples that were so broke, they didn't, have, they didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. And then we've counseled couples that had millions and millions of dollars, been on TV, movie stars, sports, I mean, athletes, and you name it. And, and you know, the principles, the foundational principles are all the same. The issue, though, is that no matter where you are and who you are, there's going to be some things that's going to, that God's going to have to get out of you. But a part of that is not going to come when, you are, when, you're, when you're in a situation of life that you are sharing everything with somebody except your true self. You share everything but a commitment. Like I, I've had to look at guys. I look them in their face and I said, who hurts you so much that you devalue yourself so little? It's like you... Is that what you think of you? Like you, you, you is, is, that, is that the value you've ascribed to yourself? That now you assume that the way you're living is the right way. And I'm telling you, if you're going to build anything, you got to build it the right way. Now, here's the thing. I'm going I'm to be saying a lot of things. And the Bible is very clear. It says, there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. One thing I have, I, have, I have resigned from doing is, being, is arguing back and forth with people over the truth. I just don't do that anymore. I used to in the past. People, people just, they run themselves in the ground. If you want to argue with somebody, go on Twitter. Everybody mad on Twitter about something. Everybody. I just don't have time for it anymore. People come up to me and they'll say, hey, you that preacher, ain't you? Yeah, yeah, my wife told me about you. I'm telling you, Jesus ain't nothing but a prophet. All right, what you want me to do about it? I believe he is the Messiah. He is the Lord and Savior. Well, how do you know? There's, no, there's nothing else that change me but him. Yeah, but I read this book. I mean, <laughs> who cares? At the end of it, I tell you this because of this. No matter, no matter whether or not you believe something is true or false, no matter what you believe about it, it does not take away from its truth. Like, you don't take away from Jesus being the true Messiah just because you don't believe it. He's still going to be true, just whether you believe it or not. Like, my birthday is August 16th. If I told you, hey, my birthday is August 16th, you looked at me and you said, well, I don't believe you. I don't care if you believe me or not. I know what my birthday is. I know when I was born. I have a birth certificate to prove it. I have a driver's license that proves it. I have a social security card. I got, I got a passport that proves it. I can show you all types of identification that shows you exactly when I was born. I can tell you the date, but I don't believe it. It doesn't matter because this is it. Your disbelief in my birthday does not change the date. 
So the Bible says there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So you have to ask yourself the question, if I am going to build something that is healthy and that is stable, then I want to make sure I build it right. We have to, we have to look ahead and we got to look and say, okay, I've seen what hasn't been built right and we have to change it. In fact, one thing that I've noticed and one thing that most of the, most of the, the, uh, most of the studies were showing was that while millennials aren't getting divorced, it is our older saints who are. So mama and daddy, even grandma and grandpa, they're getting divorced, and they're getting married two or three times. And the reason being is because a lot of times, they, with families, and we're going to get into this because this whole series, we're talking about children, and we're talking about sex, and we're talking about remarriage and divorce and all those things, but... A lot of times what happens is, is that, is that, you know, mama and daddy, mama or daddy, mama and daddy, they put kids before marriage. So now, so now Johnny, Johnny, he got baseball practice on Tuesday, uh, on Monday. You know, Susan, she got gymnastics on Tuesday. They both got, you know, arts on, on Wednesday. Then we got this on Thursday, and they got that, and then they got to go back. They got a whole day event for soccer on Saturday. But the, but the husband and wife haven't had a date in eight months. And that's because you put all of your energy in your kids. Like I look at my kids and my wife, and I tell, I, 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 I tell my kids all the time, look, y'all, I love y'all, but y'all are guests in my house. The only, the only room you're going to have your name up in is yours. And that's borrowed time. People ask me, say, which room the guest room? They all guest rooms except the master. <laughs> Everybody's a guest. Because I got to make sure that when my kids leave my house, that I still like the woman who, 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 I, who I shared a bed with to have those kids. Because what's happening now is that I, I get too many college kids who come to me and they say, I'm, I'm, I'm so broken, I'm so hurt. Well, what happened? Well, you know, I thought mom and dad, I thought they were good. Well, what, what, what happened? Mama called me and said they're getting a divorce. That's because the children became a distraction in the house. As soon as the distraction left, mama and daddy had no other choice but to look at each other and say, I don't know you, I don't like you, I'm gone. So if we're going to build something, we got to build something that's healthy. If we're going to build something, we got to build something that is stable. If we're going to build something, we got to build something that has longevity. If you're going to build something, then you need to come in commitment with somebody, you need to be in covenant with somebody where you believe that my destiny is tied in with yours. That's true covenant. See, with Jesus Christ, I can't leave him. Why? Because my destiny is tied in with him. Everlasting life is the only thing I'm going to get with him if I stay with him. Destiny is tied in with him. How do, do, you, do you have relationships so strong that destiny is tied in with you? Friendships and marriage and all those great things. Now, here's the thing. You got to have a builder's mentality because with a builder's mentality, the first thing I'm going to understand is that building takes work. You know, marriage takes work. Friendship takes work. You can't, you can't, you can't get a goldfish and it not change your life. That's why I don't get it. People come in, they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm married, but I don't want to change. That, that's what marriage is about. I'm going to just be me. You can't, get, you can't get a dog and say the same. Something about you has to change. Your relationship has to change. You have to change. You have to grow. And, and, and in all of that, you have to, we also have to understand that with the builder's mentality, it is work, 
But the way in which God places the whole thing together, God desires for somebody to be out front and to be the head. So throughout the series, I'm going to do something that I, I, it, I always feel like, I feel like the church primarily speaks to women. So I have to do this because the word of God shows us this. As we continue to go through it, you'll see that I'm going to be speaking a lot to the men. Men, it's about headship. And, 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 you know, when you, when you look at that, my wife and I, we talk about it on our podcast and everything else, but, but what headship is important because headship means that I am walking out, literally, I am in front of my family. That does not mean that my wife, my wife is second to me or she's behind me. It just means in terms of protection and provision, I am there to protect her. She is referred to as the weaker vessel, which means every fiery dart of the wicked one, every time he shoots something at me, I am here to deflect it. I can take it. Give me your hardest shot. Punch me first. Knock me out. You got to take me before you get to her and them. This is important because headship is a part of the plan. Now, if you want to bring chaos to a body, all you have to do is cut off his head. In our society today, you, you, you emasculate the man. If you emasculate the man, you make him feel less than a man. You make him feel like nobody will, you know, it's just, you, know, you, 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 ain't, you ain't a man. You talk down to him. You discourage him. All those things, ladies. In the Bible, the three times the Bible talks about that I would rather live, I'd rather live elsewhere than to be in a house with a nagging, contentious wife. Now, here's the thing. And my wife is very, very, very clear when she says it. She says, now, home, because it's not always just a, just a woman who's nagging. But nagging constantly being like, you're not good enough, and you don't have what it takes, and you can't do this. Ultimately, it's going to make that man assume that he does not have it within him to lead well. The other thing here. I hear a lot of people, they always say, you know, the, the problem is, the problem is, pastor, is that, you know, my, 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 my husband is not a true leader. Well, leadership is not always out front. Like, I'm the kind of leader where I'm, I'm, I'm loud with it. Like, I'm that guy, if we're going to war, I'm the guy who's going to be like, all right, give me two pistols, put me on front line, I'm going up, I'm, I'm slanging, boom, 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 that's me. And I'm like, come on, y'all, let's go, we're going to go to the front. No, who, you scared? Go over there, you got to, hey, don't get by me, I can't deal with, no, I can't deal with you. I'm that kind of guy, that's me, I'm loud with it, I don't care, I'm going to lead the whole group, we're going forward, you don't want to go, bye, move, I'm, I'm fighting, that's me, that's the kind of leader I am. And sometimes we assume that just because we are loud, it means that we are effective. Just because we are out front that we are, and because we are seeing that we are more effective. But that is not always the case. Because there have been great leaders who are wise not to always be in the front. Because I know men who may not be as loud, but they are more strategic. So what they do is, while I'm all in front, boom, 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 boom. And you assume he must be a good leader because he's out front. What the other guy is doing is he's saying, while he's out there acting a fool, let me get the coordinates for where the enemies are and press the button. Boom, here comes a missile. Boom, kill them all. And I'm like, hold up, bro, you just cheated. Like, we were supposed to have been fighting. He's like, but I didn't, have to, I didn't have to soil my hands. I didn't have to put on armor because I was able to use my wisdom. See, leadership, leadership is not defined in one simple person. So to assume that the man cannot lead because he does not lead based upon your level of expectations is wrong. 
There are a couple of things that, 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 stops, that stops good building projects. Number one is procrastination because we just, we just fail to do it the right way. We just, and we, we fail to get up and do it when we're supposed to do it. Procrastination, it, it leads to not building something well. The second thing is perfectionism because we want it to be perfect. We want it to be perfect. I can tell you a number of people who I, I meet in the singles, they'll say, you know, well, you know, PC, the, the, the issue is, is that I, I just really want to find somebody who's perfect for me. You never will. You just won't. Nobody's going to be perfect for you. Nobody's going to be perfect for you. It's going to be work. It's going to be work. And you cannot go online and watch movies and see everything else and try to get an image of what you want somebody to be like from what you see from a picture. I tell people all the time, they're acting. Like when we talk about sex, which is going to be a very important thing, it's like when we talk about sex, you can't, you can't go to pornography and then try to get an image or perspective of what you want to happen inside of your bedroom. You have to remember, they're acting. And if you bring that into your bedroom, the problem is, is that you're going to try to objectify your spouse. And now you have your spouse trying to slide down a stripping pole. She ain't got the coordination for it. Oh, this is 130, so we're going to have a good time. But we're pulling expectations and we're trying to get people to live up to the brand of what we have, what we formed in our head. But you got procrastination. You have this idea of perfectionism. It all has to be perfect. And the last P is preparation. We're just not prepared for it. Imagine, we go through, we go through typically, typically this was 12 years of 12 years of, 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 of education before we either, before we go off to college. And typically uh, the idea is that you either get two to three, two to four years of, of college. Some people go further and some people do more. And out of all that time, and all those different classes we take, we, we learn the Pythagorean theorem, and, and we learn all this other stuff and that we really never use. I mean, I don't know why I ever use a calculator, because they said we would never use them, and I got it on my phone. We learn all of this stuff about science and math and everything else, and not one time we really learn about relationships. So while people's IQ may be really high, our EQ is really low. So IQ is that we have, we have great intelligence. We know a lot of stuff. But emotional quotient, your EQ is low. So we can't stay on a job for long because we don't understand commitment. We don't understand responsibility. We don't understand anything else that really goes into having a good relationship. Just because you are an employee of the job and you just go there to get a paycheck, there is somebody who has more invested in this. But you leave because all you're getting is a paycheck. Your commitment is as big as the money you get for the little work that you do. But the issue here is that we don't have a good emotional quotient. So we quit when we, don't, when we feel like quitting. I'm going to dig in this relationship, but I'm not going to dig for long because you're not enough for me. Oh, I think I like somebody else over there, and I feel like that person is going to be more for me. And then you get up with that person over there because they look good. Everything looks good when it's new. Everything looks good when it's new. I, I haven't seen somebody they get a new car. They washed it every single day, at least for a month. Then after that, when you, when you got that first Taco Bell smell inside of it, it was all gone. It was all over again. It's like, well, I mean, it's in there now. Now the same car that you was thankful, jumping up and down, believing God. Thank you, God, I got the car. The same car, you got the, you got the thing. You got everything checked on it. Now the oil's so bad on it. You ain't, you ain't changed the oil in, in a long time. Sitting on the side of, you know, Highway 85, just burnt all the way up. Tires balding on it. Because everything looks new in the beginning. 
But the concept of building something means that it's going to require work. It's going to require for you to give something of yourself that you have never given before because it is about relationship. It's about relationship. There's a couple of things in, involved in this house I want to give you, a part of this foundation. <clears throat> and the biggest piece that I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to push on here is the heart of the builder. If you don't have your heart right, then it is going to show up in everything you build. I don't care if you're building a business. I don't care if you're building a marriage. I don't care if you're building a family. I don't care what you're building. If you're building kids, if your heart ain't right, your heart will show up in what you build. You know, people are all talking about energy now. People are energy in the universe, and it all comes down. And, you know, people burning sage and grass and everything else, trying to get demons out. And I'm like, the demon we need to get out, baby, is, is burning the sage. But we're talking about energy and all this kind of stuff. And there's a sense of presence. I mean, every, every, everything that has ever come about, you know, people get all up in arms about meditation and, and, and stretching and all that kind of stuff and yoga and all this other kind of stuff. i, I tell you something. You know, meditation, meditation is, not this, is not this universal principle. Everything that we see in this world had a biblical emphasis. They took it, perverted it, and then changed it into something. And then people, you know, people took it, and now they made it out to be a really bad thing. Meditation is in the Word. In Joshua, please, Joshua 1 and 8, he meditated in the word both day and night. That is meditation. Meditation means that I think on it. I think on it. I think on it. I think on it. I'm thinking on it. And when I think on it over and over again, you know what happens? It changes my perspective. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What I meditate on the most becomes a perspective on how I see my life. So if I think on it and I think on it and I think on it, that's why the Bible says do not worry. What is Jesus saying? He says don't meditate on what ain't happened yet. Because since you meditated on it, then now every time you, med- every time you, you see something happen, then now you're going to think it's bad. You meditated on the fact that, you know what, God mad at me, God mad at me, God mad at me. Then your tire blew out on, on, on you know, Highway 75. I told you God was mad at me. No, that's because you got a nail in your tire. It's going to be okay. Had nothing, it wasn't anything spiritual. It was just the fact that you meditated that God was mad at you. So now everything in your life that happens to you now becomes a product of what you have meditated on. That's why in the book of Philippians, he says, think on those things which are good, pure, lovely, and of good report. Think on those things. Why? Because when I meditate on it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, now when I look at life, I have a different perspective. When I see things, I see pure. I see lovely. I see good report. When I look at you, I'm not seeing the worst in you. I'm seeing the best in you because now I see something that is different than what I was seeing because I'm meditating on something that's better. I meditate in the word both day and night. But when I'm building something, I have to understand that there's a plan. There's a process. But my heart got to be right. Remember, the most important part in the tabernacle was not the gold. It was not the akasha wood. It was not, it was not the silver. It was not the bronze. It, 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 wasn't, it, wasn't, the, it wasn't the scarlet yarn. It wasn't, it wasn't the blue. It wasn't the purple. It wasn't any of that stuff. The most important, most important piece in the tabernacle was the heart. But once I get the heart right... And I can build it the way it's supposed to be built. But I can't build anything with a bad heart. And my, my whole thing here is that I want us to build a home that is going to be healthy. A home that has longevity. A home that has purpose. A home that is filled with destiny. So now the first thing is the heart of the builder. The second thing is the vision of the builder. 
what I notice as I, as I, as I, I look across you know, our people today, what I notice is that we lack vision. And we don't know where we're going. So it gives the impression that, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm going somewhere. A lot of people, a lot of people have, a, they have, a, they have a, a rocking chair life. They give a lot of energy, but you ain't going anywhere. You have a lot of pictures showing you're doing a lot of things, but nothing really manifested in what you're doing. So now you're, so now, so now you're booked and busy. The only thing is that you're not producing anything greater. Because God never wanted you to just be booked and busy. God wants you to be, he wants you to be productive about the things that matter. But the problem is that we don't have vision. We don't have revelation. We don't, we don't have a picture of where we're going. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on my time. I hate to waste my time. I hate to waste my time. I'm just big on time. I, I, you know, I'm that guy, if we're leaving to go, if, we're, if, I, if my flight is at 1, I'm at the airport. I'm at the airport at least by 11. That's just me. If it's an international flight, 10. Like, I got to be there. I am not missing it. You know, my wife is completely different. My wife is like, if her flight is at 11, she's going to get there around 1030-ish. She's like, we're boarding. We'll be okay. I mean, one time she was walking to go. She, we were in Seagate, and we, I was going on a different flight, and she looked at me. She was like, where's your flight? I said, mine is right next to yours. And she was like, well, I'm going to go to B-Gate and go get me something to eat. Baby, your flight is boarding. She's like, Cornelius, it's going to be okay. That's how, that's how she is. Hey, after 12 years, go and do what you're going to do. If you miss it, you got to get another one. But I'm really big on time. One thing I don't like to do is I, I don't like to joyride. If I'm riding with somebody, you know, I just, I, if I'm sitting, on the, if I'm sitting on, the, on the passenger side, you say, hey, we're going to, hey, PC, we're going to be about to ride out. My first question, where are we going? Where are we going? On, 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 you know, every Friday is my date day. And, and before, before we get ready for that car pulls out the driveway, where are we going? And then we have, then, you know, we go through the whole 30 minutes. I don't know, whatever you want. What do I want? I don't want that. My wife is vegan, so I, don't, I never want her options. And I, I, I'm vegan plus, and she never wants mine. So we have to decide where we're going to go. Because before we start driving, I need to know where we're going. The problem is that a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships right now, they're trying to fix their marriage. It's almost like, it's almost like you're trying to change the interior of an airplane while you're in the air. You fail to land first and then to have a difficult conversation. To look at each other and say, do we even know where we're going? No. But we need to get some vision. Now, we're going to have a whole message that talks about vision, the importance of how to set vision in a house. Like, I want you, after this series, to have a vision statement in your house that says, this is where we're going. I want you to have a mission statement in your house that says, this is where we're going. Like, like you know, my, my kids know that our vision statement for our house is pervasive hope. Our goal is to give, is, is, is pervasive and eternal hope. That means that we want to live all of our life, the Lindsay family, to give people as much hope where it is just flooding over in their lives. That anything you see, it's like, thank you for giving me hope. But we also have a mission in our house. And our mission is that we gather people together so they can hear the word of God and, they can, and then ultimately they can go and make a difference. The reason why this church is founded it is based upon that mission. They're still, the same, they're still the same mission. It's just changing with different words. Pinky Promise, my wife has a women's organization, is the same mission. 
Man Cave, a men's, men's organization I have, it has the same mission. Why? Because in 2009, my wife and I, we got together. It wasn't enough for us to just understand how to share each other's body. It was first, God, where are we going? Is our destiny tied in with each other? Where are you going? Where am I going? What are we doing? How, how, how are we going to get there? Who's leading? Who ain't leading? Because those things are important. Where am I going? And see, now that we have kids, it's not, it's, not, it's not hard to be able to now teach our kids the mission. This is where we're going. This is the vision. This is the, here's the vision. I want you to see it there. It's plain. Pervasive hope. So when you go to school, you give them hope. Now, here's the mission. You get your friends together where it's at, your, where it's at the lunch table, no matter where it is, and, and you, you give them the word of God. You ain't got to take a Bible with you because, son, I want the word to be in your heart. So now you give them hope where they are, and ultimately you push them out to go make a difference. And see, that's when you begin to leave a legacy that's not just about the money you want to leave them. You leave something that is deeper than that where now their destiny is tied into it. But you got to have a vision for the builder. I mean, even practically speaking, if I'm ready to build a house, how am I going to build a house and I don't have any architectural plans? If, if I'm trying to build a home and I don't have any plans, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm just going to be building something I think looks right. And that's what most of our marriages look like today. Most of our families look like, well, I think it's right. And it's like, it's shaking. And a lot of people, a lot of families nowadays are in trouble. I, I know we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to say it. We don't want to say we're in trouble. I mean, you would think church would be that one place we can just be transparent and open saying, we need help. We don't, we don't want to do that. It's like, no, I don't want nobody to know I need help. That's why I, I hated, like my wife and I, you know, we, we do a marriage, a marriage retreat every year. And uh, uh, I think this year we do Morocco. Last year we did like Bali and other places. And, and we went to Cuba and, and we, we used to do it. Our first one that we did, you know, we sat down, we got couples together and we were doing all these marriage sessions and we were talking about sex and all this kind of stuff. And then we had gotten to that point. I was like, Heather, I don't think they care about all that. And she was like, yeah, I don't think so either. And so we just started doing things. We would go, we had, we, like we were in Bali, and we just went, we had fun, and we, we toured some places, and we're just telling all the couples, just go and laugh and have a good time. Then we all get together in the same room. Then that's when we start getting into the nitty-gritty. Now we start asking each other questions. And then we start breaking down things, and we start showing that, you know what, we're struggling just like y'all. And it shows a transparent environment that now begins to break hearts and being like, well, I thought we were the only ones. Because isn't that the charge of the enemy to make you feel like your relationship is the only one that's going through something? I just, I, I hated going to marriage conferences and marriage retreats. You know, every time I went, I remember this one that I went to, it was, you know, this husband and wife came up on the stage. And it was like, hi, my name is Jill. This is James. Say hi, James. Hi, everybody. James, we're so happy. We've been married for 30 years. And James, I don't think we've ever argued one time, have we? Nope, Jill, we haven't. I thought, you ain't cussed out yet? <laughs> I looked at her and I said, this ain't it. This ain't it for me. I looked at her and I said, I'm ready to go. Why do you want to leave, Cornelius? I think we need to hear from Jill and James. I'm like, well, Jill and James, I don't think they relate to me. They are not relatable. <laughs> Jill and James ain't real for me. Because that ain't, I, I'm, not, I'm not James. I'm not James. I, you, I don't know if you Jill. 
And I was like, man, I wanted to find something that was authentic and that was transparent and that would just say, you know what, yes, this requires work and I don't want a lot of information. I just want to know that we can do this. But I wanted to be able to provide something that would give me a vision forward. If I can be honest with you, you know, my wife and I, we've known each other for 12 years. We met each other. She was living in New York. I was living in Atlanta. Our first date was in, was in Manhattan, this little vegan uh, restaurant called Blossom. And my first question to her is they brought forth that nastiest sweet potato soup. <laughs> the nastiest soup I've had for in my life. They put it down on the table, and I looked at her in her eyes, and I said, when we get married, are you willing to live in Atlanta because I don't want to live in New York? And she said, married? Married? I was like, yeah, girl, like, you're pretty. You're fine. I got to snatch you up quick because, like, like, you know, all of my relationships before that were train wrecks. All of her relationships before that were train wrecks. I didn't get married a virgin. I wish I could stand up and be like, you know what, y'all? I did it right. I was a virgin until I got married. That ain't my story. That wasn't hers either. She wasn't virgin Mary, and I wasn't a priest. But when we met each other, we just said, okay, we're going to do this the way, God, the way that we believe God, God wants it done. Now, many, many people know our story that we waited a year and eight months. Before, on the day we got married, August 14th, almost 10 years ago, we got married, we waited, and that's when we kissed for the first time. Now, we didn't provide that for a law for ourselves. We definitely don't provide it for a law for anybody else. The reason why we do it is because I felt convicted and I felt led to do it. I felt compelled to do it. And I was glad we did it because it helped us to establish something that was extremely important that I don't see anymore, and that's boundaries. Because here's the thing. We live in a country that's all about freedom, the freedom of speech. The freedom of the press, the freedom, the freedom, the freedom. And now we got a lot of people who are speaking freely who should be punched in the mouth. Because, see, they, they speak, they, they free. And they like, you, you free to say what you want to say. But the thing is, when I say what I want to say, now, now I'm me. We, we, got, we got freedom. It's all about being free and being free. And I can say it how I want it. I can do it how I want it. I can have it the way I want it. You don't tell me anything. So we come into church and we treat God like his Burger King. Have it your way. And God says, that ain't the way it's going to be. So it's all about free, 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 freedom, freedom, freedom. I can do it. So then we turn, we turn righteousness into hedonism. Hedonism becomes I can have it any type of way I want it. That means I can smoke it, eat it, drink it. No matter what, I can have sex with it. I can do it because I'm free. I'm free, but now when you come into the church, it's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. It's God's way or no way. So now we get into a relationship, and I needed boundaries because I know me. So we went to the movies. We, went to, we saw one movie, and we went during the day. It was a matinee because I'm cheap. I don't care. I paid half off. We got into the movie. We sat down. You know, Heather, she was, she was on my arm. My, my wife, we did the five love languages. My wife's, my wife's top love language is touch. For me, touch is zero. So she was curled up on my arm, and, and the whole time, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm sitting there in a movie, and, you know, I know what I used to do in the movies when I went on a date. So we got back in the car. I said, hey, we can't go to the movies anymore. And she's like, well, why? I said, because it was, it was like, too close for me. Because I know, like, we both know our machinery works. And if we, like, keep playing with fire, we can't do it. And I knew that that had to be my responsibility as a man in the courtship to lead in that respect. I could not expect for her to do it because I needed for her to see that I'm out front. I need to be out front. So there's just certain things we just can't do. When she came down, when she came down to, when she came down to Atlanta, before we got engaged, she stayed in the hotel. Then after we got engaged, I went, from the, I went from my house, and I went and I stayed with another couple, and she stayed in my house. Now, now she changed my entire life. 
I mean, my wife changed my entire life. Before, before I met my wife, I got married at 23. Before, before I met my wife, you know, I, mean, I had a house to myself, two-story. I didn't put any furniture in the living room because I don't want people to stay. You know, if you got furniture, I mean, they're going to come get comfortable. I ain't got a couch. You're going to sit on the floor. The floor is hard. You got to go. And, and you know, I, I, that's just the way I live my life. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have body wash. Like, I use, I use Dial soap. Because and I, I'm, not, I'm talking about the, the, uh, the Don, I mean Don, that's why I use Don. Because I figured, Don, hey, whatever, you, I figured, I, I saw the commercial. If, if they can get oil off ducks. <laughs> Come on now, y'all got to work with me here. If they can get oil off ducks, how can they not get dirt off me? I was washing my clothes, everything. Man, I had suds coming all out my washing machine. I didn't care. I was like, it must be working, bro. My clothes clean. <laughs> Hey, I was, doing, I was doing me. Skin dry as I don't know what. I don't care. Using lotion? No, I put lotion on the important parts that people see. Elbow, maybe. Knee, if it's out. <laughs> then I get married, and all of a sudden, like, I walk into the house, and, you know, I had all eggshell white walls because I didn't care. I didn't have no curtains. I didn't have things up in my house. I didn't have candles. Who buys a candle? I walked into the house. I'll never forget when, when Heather and I, she walked to my, when she walked to my house for the first time. And I was like, yeah, this is my bedroom. And she was like, babe, is this your bed? I was like, yeah. I had it since I was like nine. She was like, are you serious? Like, do you have a headboard? For what? She's like, babe, you're like, your sheet. This is like a Power Ranger. Like, sheet. And I was like, so it's good for me. I don't, she's like, do you have a blanket or anything? Nah, I don't sleep under a blanket. I'm always hot. Always hot. She's like, you don't, you don't have any candles? You don't have any scents? Scents? Child, I don't know. Like, when I went to the grocery store, as a single man, the only aisles I knew were the frozen food section. I knew the cereal and the oatmeal aisle. I knew where the chips and I knew where the sodas were. And I get married to her, and now it's like a whole new world. I walk into the grocery store, and I, I know, like, where the fruits and veggies are. You know, like I, I, know, I know different parts and different sections in the grocery store now that I never went to as a, I never went to as a single man. When, when we got married, I walked in the house and, you know, my, my wife, she had candles everywhere. I mean, burning candles. And I thought, that's what we got lights for. And now they're scented and, and I see body wash. And I'm like, man, I never knew there's a whole new world out there. It's like, you know, and then I thought, she was like, I bought you some too. And I was like, well, I don't want mine. I want yours because... They got me smelling like sandalwood. Like, I've been working out in the woods all day, and you over here smelling like lavender and cucumbers. I want to smell like fruit, too. Like, like help me. I was like, you know, for me, shampoo and conditioner and body wash, for men, it's all in one. For women, my wife comes in, and, like, I, I go to the shower, and she has, like, nine different products. And I'm just like, what is all this? She's like, this is the shampoo for this. This is the conditioner for this. But I have to mask my hair. I got to do this. I got to do that. I was like, yo, this is dope. <laughs> I'm in the shower using all the different products. Like, I wonder what this does. And she goes, and she's like, babe, you use my stuff? I just use a little bit of it. Mine. I use, like, most of the whole thing. <laughs> I, have, I had all kind of stuff. Blonde. It was some kind of blonde stuff she had. I was like, what if this would give me streaks or something? <laughs> I had no idea, but I was just, she just changed my life. And see, that's what marriage does. It, it brings the two of you together. But in building the home, you got to have a proper vision. And in knowing the vision, you got to know where we're going. And the last part of that, the last piece of that is the, is the priority of the builder. Now, 
this is an important piece, an important, important part of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go through this fairly quickly. The priority of the builder. Of the builder. In my house, my wife comes first. And then my children. Because as I stated earlier, my children will leave my house, but my wife won't. Being out front and being in headship means that I have a responsibility to always provide and protect for those I, I, I serve. Like, you know, my wife, she likes to go to flea markets. I hate those things. She go to a flea market, and it just, it drives me up the wall. Because for her, when my wife is with me, she doesn't have to think about, she's not thinking about anything else. She's like, oh, I like this purse, I like that. Oh, I like this little ring. She's like, oh, baby, you see anything you like? No, I want to leave. The reason being is because I'm not thinking about what's in the place. I'm not looking at the, I'm not looking at the stuff. I'm looking at people. I'm looking at that guy over there. I'm looking at them people over there. I'm looking at them people over there. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at her? I'm looking at stuff because I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking like, you trying to snatch her up. You trying to do this. I'm trying to protect her. So she looks at me. She says, why don't you just let your guard down and have fun? Because that's how you get snatched. Well, the reason why I have to tell her that is because, babe, my responsibility is different from yours. Think about, think about the relationship between Christ and the church. I know women, they be talking about, I know the Bible tells me I got to submit, which is huge and hard. But the Bible tells me I have to sacrifice. Which means, if you notice, Christ came for the church and made the way of the church easy. So now as the church, we come in and we have the opportunity to be like, I want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I, get to, I want to do this and I want to do that. And we get a chance to just make whatever kind of decisions that we want. Jesus says, I got to sacrifice. So now taking that into my relationship and my marriage, I look at my wife and I say, I afford you the opportunity to be in your own world. You never have to look up from your phone if you don't want to. Because you always know, as long as I'm standing beside you, and even if I'm not, I'm going to have somebody there with you who can be my eyes and be my hands just in case. Because at all times, I know you must be protected. At all times, I know you must be provided for. At no point and no opportunity can I ever let my guard down. The same way that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, forever interceding for us. Jesus says, don't worry, church. I won't leave you I'll send a helper who will advocate for you. What Jesus was saying was, although I won't be present, the Holy Spirit will. At no point in time will you ever lack any good thing. And as a head, I have to understand that as a priority. I have to protect my wife first. And then it's my children. If I ever put my children before my wife, then I've messed up the structure of my home. My priority is not making my children happy. There's nothing in the word of God that tells me as a father to make my children happy or give them everything I didn't have. That is nowhere in the word of God. It says, it says fathers, don't exasperate or bring your children in anger. Don't, don't be angry towards them. But in nowhere in the word does it tell me I need to make my children happy by giving them everything that they didn't have. It says that I must raise them in the truth and the admonition of the Lord so when they leave my house, they will always be in his. But now my wife, who I am now one flesh with, 
that no man, as the scripture says, has, has ever hated his own flesh, but he loves his flesh. But now my wife, I have a responsibility in headship to now protect and to provide for her. And my children, I tell them all the time, you live under the umbrella that is afforded for my wife. But one day you will move out from under this umbrella. My two boys, one day you will move on and you will have your own umbrella. Daughter, one day I will walk you down the aisle. And as I do, symbolically, I shall take your hand and I shall put it in the hand of another man. And at that point, if you notice how valuable God sees women, he says, at no point of your life are you ever not protected. From the time you come forth from your mother's womb, you have the protection of your father. And then when you get married, your father takes your hand and places it in the hand of your husband. Now your husband, who takes, who gives his bride away? I do. Sir, please step down and take your bride. At this point now, you now take the covering of your husband and now you stand beside him to cover you. And then peep this. If he dies and you become a widow, now God gives a charge for the church and says, take care of the fatherless and the widows. At no point in time does God ever devalue the woman. But he says, you're so valued that you're always to be protected. That even if your protection leaves, you got a whole church that will take care of you. That's how valuable he sees the woman. But in all of this, as I wrap this up, the most important part of this is the heart. And the rest of this series will mean absolutely nothing to you. If you don't get the heart part down, if you don't get that part down, it, it ain't going to mean anything else to you. I'm telling you, one man's repentance can change an entire generation. It can change an entire generation. And if we don't start fixing these things which are broken in our lives, in our reality, then we're going to be in some trouble. Because we're going to start building houses and building homes that are going to surely fall. You can't trust these people out here to give you the information that you think you're going to need. Man, you can't trust these people. They, people out here, they don't know how to build houses, build homes. Just because the people out here got a lot of money doesn't mean anything. They're on TV. That don't mean a thing. I was looking at the stats the other day of people who are on dating sites. And, I, you know, we'll talk about dating sites. I mean, they're on them, and we're, we're linking up, and people are going on dates. And, man, they're having one-night stands. And, like, people messed up. And again, this is no condemnation, no shade, and no shame. But I'm saying that if your heart has been broken and you know your heart isn't right, and here's the thing, you got unforgiveness for an ex, and now you're trying to have, you know, you're trying to get revenge relationships so you can show your ex that I can move on and be happy without you, that means that you're not healthy. If your heart ain't right, if your heart ain't right, that's a problem. And we got to deal with that first. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.